I turned off the AC. I was confident. You know, I'm like, oh, the temperature is nice. So you turn off the AC because you think it's good, but you realize that the AC was why the temperature was good, and now it's gone, and it's like, ugh. Right. I'm not a fan of AC, personally. You're more of a fan of DC, you fucking... Oh, wait, I like DC. Oh, I'm not... We can't do this. We're too tired. I mean, we can do it tomorrow night, but we're going to be doing it at, like, 11. Somehow that... Is almost worth the risk. Uh, ladies and future boys, we have to start on a somber note, which feels like it's going to be tricky. Uh, this week, fucking Batman died, huh? There is no other Batman. He's the only one. Well, let's be realistic here. There'll never be one as good. Yeah. I think, um... I don't know. I feel like everyone's already said something nice and meaningful about it and we're incompetent overtired pieces of shit but i will say i think a lot of my personal moral compass comes from like the the his version of batman yeah and then you see all the shit kevin conroy actually was doing like i've seen some of the stuff come out where it's like he's helped building houses for vets just because he can he was one of the people, like, making and providing food to the first responders during September 11. He's a he's a sweet baby angel. And um, we're, I mean, gonna, we're never going to have a Batman as good or impactful, I don't think, ever. I think that's the thing that makes him so good, though. Comes from a genuine place. He, he never did any of it and then flaunted it. Like, mm. it's coming out, now he's dead. Mm. And that's like... I heard a lot of people say that he didn't release that he was battling cancer because he didn't he want the fans. Didn't want to bum people out. Exactly. Yeah. And that's like, it's crazy. Mm. But it is a very different world that we now live in. Well, you can only you can only do your best and be a person Batman would be proud of. We're all, we're all Robins now. We are. Yep. Alright. Ready to start the actual episode? Let's try it. Ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds. The only podcast that all the King's horses and all the King's men could subscribe to if they wanted. Uh, my name is Toby DePola, and recently I played a game called Gotham Knights. During my playthrough, I took a break midway to play both Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. Um, I will say now that I'm most of the way through Arkham Knight as well, I fucking hate that I played the game that started with This Is How the Batman Died. Yeah. And... Hmm. Bad, bad timing. So somewhere between the horrible ominousness of that and that fucking Batmobile. It has not been a great playthrough. Yeah. Um, but I, when I was playing Asylum and City, I just wanted to check... For some, you know, rose-tinted nostalgia glasses. Because you, yeah, yeah. Gotham Knights is fine. But we all know Arkham Asylum and City were better. And I was like, were they or do we just remember a better time? It's like, no, nah, no, nah, they're pretty great. Um, but while I was wandering the halls of Asylum, I saw Aaron Cash and the Humpty Dumpty Riddle and the Great White Shark Riddle. And you know what? I also had to go and check for more rose-tinted nostalgia glasses in a personal favourite of mine... Arkham Asylum Living Hell. Uh, joining me 
uh, in this madhouse of my own making is somehow both my warden and my fellow patient, Producer Kyle. That is more accurate than most people will believe. You have to be delicate with it because it's a, it's a little it's in a sad state that one. <laughs> it's a bit overused. So I love this title. Uh, it's nice, an easy six-issue mini-series that takes a look at the infamous Arkham Asylum for the criminally insane and the folks inside it. Um, we all know the the big names that come and go from there, but I like that it fleshes out some of the smaller people. Um, its art is done by a guy named Ryan Sook, uh, who knows a bit of the horror genre, uh, spending time with Buffy yeah. and Spectre. And a bunch of the Hellboy titles, the BPRDs and things like that. And the story was written by Dan Slott. Uh, Dan had started writing comics in a Marvel-branded Mighty Mouse comic and had a backup in an issue of New Warriors. He was doing the Ren and Stimpy book for Marvel and he got to write the crossover issue when Spider-Man battled uh, Powdered Toast Man. Of course. Well, he was a Ren and Stimpy character, so he got to do the crossover. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Um... Yep, so from there he jumped over to DC and continued to do the cartoon tie-in stuff. He did Scooby-Doo, Looney Tunes, and Powerpuff Girls. After doing a bit of work in Batman Adventures and Justice League Adventures, the Tim vs. tie-in books, um, DC let him pitch a story idea. Uh, this guy, who had mostly been doing children's cartoons, pitched this. So let's take a look. Let's do it. It opens on a cold night in roughly the 1930s. I say that time roughly because we are in the greater Gotham... Mm, we're in the greater Gotham uh, township house of madness and ill humours. Hmm. Uh, a patient has finished being leeched and is ready f to be quote-unquote cured. Yay! Um, the doctor considers the, le the leeching. You know, He finds it foolish. Madness is a battle fought inside the brain, not the blood. Uh, he straps the patient's head down and prepares for this early attempt at lobotomy, hence why I assumed the 30s. Mm -hmm. um, his companion asks, uh, what if they go too far with that little ice pick? You know, you know the old school ones. You've seen Sucker Punch. Lobotomizing. Mm -hmm. And with pure indifference, the doctor responds with, either way the madness ends. I mean, he's not one. Mm. It shows the strange dark way Gotham has always been towards its insane, but as his hammer comes down on on the handle of the ice pick, the scene cuts and like a kind of reminds me of like when Archer does a really good job of the switch scene sort of mm. cuts. Usually they use a mid sentence trick, but you know, one one of those sort of ones. And then it becomes a gavel hitting the sound block. The court has come to a verdict. I love the panel work here. Like the crowd of people in that courthouse, I swear I can hear like the chaos in that room in the art. Yeah. Uh, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's done in a good... It's a good portrayal there. It's very... It's, this is going to sound like a very weird statement. It's very brightly muted. Mm. Like, those colours are bright, but gritty. Yeah, they're a weird... Yeah, yeah. I, a, I don't that's even a mean it's very hard bright blue, but it's under, like, a bunch of overlays. Yeah, um... So, Mr. Warren White has um, has perpetrated the greatest act of stock fraud in American history. Mm -hmm. And um, he is facing uh, a trial in Gotham, which is just where he happened to have been picked up. And he successfully pled insanity. I mean, 
It's Gotham. Can't That's everyone. kind of what the judge Can't says. everyone. Yeah. The most premeditated crime ever. <laughs> Insurance fraud and tax fraud and shit. No, he's in, he pled insanity. And the judge somewhat disagrees with the jury's decision. Mm-hmm. So he lets Warren White serve his observation time in their local asylum. Nice. Arkham. Uh, the crowd roars and Warren's lawyers immediately start freaking the fuck out. And he's like, what, what's wrong? And they're like, don't worry, Warren, we'll get you out of this. And he's like, what do you mean? We're like, what's the deal? He doesn't know what Arkham is. He isn't from Gotham. He don't get it. Um, he sits on the prison bus picking on Ridliff for dressing the way he does. And he's all confidence. He's all piss and vinegar, you know. He's got the bravado of a rich, powerful man. And he's led through the asylum, saying he'll he'll simply buy this place and turn it into a themed restaurant. Uh, he pauses when he is shown his cell. That's when his uh, bravado starts to crumble pretty quick. And he meets his cellmate, a guy named Death Rattle. Uh, Warren turns to his guard, who's cash from the Arkham games, um, and he's like, whoa, dude, you can't put me in there with him. I remember this cult leader from the newspapers. Cash just shoves him in, saying he remembers Warren from the newspapers too. Um, saying only poor people pay taxes. <laughs> um, well, now due to some tax cutbacks, Arkham inmates are sharing cells. Probably not. So have fucking fun in there. Most intelligent decision, but sure. <laughs> For him, though, they don't. This guy can fuck himself, essentially. Uh, Warren White might have been the great white shark outside, but in here, he is just the new fish. Hmm. Alright. A little Mad Hatter, like a very small goblin-y version of the Mad Hatter. Here's this comment and starts repeating fish. So does everyone. That chant continues as Warren is, is told his bunk is where the ghost of a dead girl sleeps so he can't sleep there. The chant continues as he huddles in the corner of the room with, with his blanket and the chant is all there is in the darkness. Again, this is the guy who wrote like the Looney Tunes comic. Yeah, but <laughs> the people that write... Like, you, you have to have both sides of the coin. Hmm. The more happy and jovial you are on the outside, the more cold, dead, miserable you are on the inside. So the following morning... Me during a work day. Proof. Mm-hmm. Warren is in the showers by himself, trying to talk himself back up again. You know, he's the great white shark. He's the Gordon Gecko of the DC Universe, man. His ego dies very suddenly, though, as another inmate joins joins the room. Right. The guard at the door asks, is he clean? And a giggling voice retorts, well, that's why I'm here. It's the Joker. Oh, no. So Warren is now in a mad rush to finish up, and he uh, drops the soap. Oh no. Um, Joker picks it up for him, their fingers touch lightly. Ooh, la, la. And we chose to ignore the monobrow that Ryan Sock uh, gave the Joker, and we'll, we'll see him call Warren the worst person he's ever met. He, he put the moustache in the wrong place. Hmm. Yeah, um, Joker says, sure, I kill folk, but he has never took a kid's college fund away. Um, I like when Joker has morals, like when he punched Red Skull in that crossover, because he's like, fuck you, Nazi, Nazis like are Nazis wrong. Here. Yeah, even the Joker's like, ew, no. So after he says he could sell Warren's head on eBay, we cut to Dr. Carver's office. Mm-hmm. The plot then switches perspective, as Warren rants and panics to Dr. Carver about being stuck in a place like this. Um, deep down, she knows that feeling. We see her life outside of Arkham. It's impossible to forget the place. Um, she can't meet someone special because her main point of reference is, is you know, the nightmare of shit in there. You know, it's like, what do you do for work? Oh, I work in Arkham Asylum. It's like, wow, that must be crazy. And, she's, and she'll say something like, yeah, like Jonathan Crane put a rat in an inmate's ass because he had a fear of them. And then the other guy's like, well, um, 
Mood killer. All right, bye. <laughs> I feel like we would get along. So we see her show up to accompany a Z-grade villain named Doodlebug back to Arkham, and she gets guff from Commissioner Gordon for signing this guy's release in the first place. Like, she has a very sad little life here. Um, she decides she will try and get Warren transferred for enough coin to get out of her current trade. You know what I'm saying? Bribes. So, a week passes, you know, like, while she's organising that. Uh, White, uh, Warren White gets abused by his cellmate and gets caught staring at Two-Face's face and having Crocs slash his neck so, the f- you know, the new fish can have gills, which is appropriate. <laughs> um, Carver listens to murderers without remorse. You know, you've got Hatter and Ivy and a moment here is special. Yeah. Okay. See, Carver in a panel is with Riddler and he says, I'm the Riddler, my dear girl. Who are you to ask me questions? But there's a typo here. I'd seen that issue of Nightwing where the sign on Wayne Towers says in grey lead, put him here, Wayne Enterprises. I saw the one where they forgot to cover up Batman's penis. No, no, they... Yeah. They originally did it to sell books, and then they banned it to make those other books more valuable. Well, I've seen that panel. So, like, I was aware that comics made mistakes. I, You know, I thought nothing of it until I met Dan Slott at a convention. Hmm. Okay. See, this was right when he put Dr. Octopus's brain in Peter Parker and killed the real Spider-Man. I've also seen Peter Parker's dick. People didn't know Superior Spider-Man was going to rock yet, so his line was uh, pretty pretty quiet. Mm. More or less. Um, for some context on Superior Spider-Man, check that out, because we've already done three parts on it. When I came up with my copy of Living Hell, he asked me if I caught or liked the secret messages in there. I was like, I don't know what you mean. So, now, like, he had the time. So the fucking gentleman let me sit down at his booth and we went through the copy and he showed me things like this deer line, like this typo. Um, Kaya, what's another name for a female deer? A doe. That's right. A female deer. Mm-hmm. Back to the comic at hand. Warren moves $20 million out of his international accounts while Carver finishes the transfer papers. She's also recording his voice identification on the phone to his accountant or whoever he's talking to. Uh, then she seduces him. Uh, while they kiss, she pulls an ice pick. Oh no. Uh, then Batman crashes through the window. Warren doesn't see the knife yet, so he tries to grab Batman and stop him just whooping around the doctor's ass for what he knows is no, like, from what his point of view is no reason. I'm sorry, if Batman breaks into myself, I'm just gonna be like, you go for your man, I'm just gonna sit over here, facing the wall. She, she must have fucked up, I guess. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm facing the wall. I'm... No. Speaking of the wall, that's where Warren gets shoved. Alright, and like, as he hits the drywall, a couple of like the masks that she has up on the, up on there like, drop. Mm-hmm. And they reek. That's right, Warren turns the mask over and finds a very decomposed head belonging to Dr. Carver. Oh no! I'm not saying it's her property, I am saying it's hers. This lady is not real Dr. Carver. That's right. As the alive Carver gets up from being tossed over the desk with a little pistol, I mean, no surprise shrinks in Arkham Keep guns, of course. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised by that. That's a good idea. Batman calls her Jane Doe. In a weird psychotic split between the identities, the Dr. Carver persona explains that Jane Doe is an incomplete person who takes the lives of others and moves into them. 
Yeah. Like a hermit crab for a face. Um, then Jane Doe says she will kill Batman for this shit. Um, and Batman asks if she would even want to move into his life. Yeah. Fighting for his life every night, and everyone <laughs> she knows would be trying to kill her. All of her friends from the asylum would always be after some sort of revenge scheme. Yeah. Um, she's like, mm. And, and, yeah, she hands the gun over. <laughs> and she's led away. And Warren's like, what the fuck? She could have escaped months ago. And Batman points out she was going to. As yeah, you. you. You gave her 20 million bucks. She was going to leave as him with the other percentage of whatever his funds were. Yeah, because she's got his voice and everything. Mm-hmm. As the next issue begins, we see some of the day-to-day after a doctor is killed. We see Aaron Cash at her service, regretting that he didn't see the signs, like, at all. Um, and we see Hatter fucking with Two-Face, you know, like, he's looking into a mirror being like, you know the hemispheres of your brain, like, you know, the way they work. Technically, the evil side is the wrong side. So you should cut off your face, and she's, like, trying to talk him into it. Sure, yeah, right, no problem. Yeah, confusing him with mirrors. Uh, we see a, a flashback of Warren destroying evidence of his embezzling and destroying the lives of those who found out about it, uh, resulting in a suicide. Hmm. Um, I like the panel combo of him shredding the papers, including the one that has all the narration of the scene on it as well. Like, that goes into the shredder too. That's kind of cool. That's cool. It's a cool detail. Um, we see Jeremiah Arkham, the asylum administrator. Um, he tells Warren, look, buddy. Your transfer was done by a fucking patient. It's null and void, friend. Mm-hmm. You're stuck here. Yep. Get comfy. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. So, Jeremiah pretty much says Warren is a scumbag and kind of deserves what happened, and refers to him as fish as well. Mm. So the day-to-day continues. Cash questions Jane Doe a little. He liked Carver in, in this version. And Jane claims she found his hook hand repulsive. I mean... He has a hook hand, by the way. Yeah, we're not here for it. In the next scene, Riddler hints at how he got the hook in the first place, and um, then Crane stabs Warren with his fork in the mess hall to hear his screams and see what they're like. Uh, you know, a riot starts pretty quickly after that because you know, food fight in prison is just a riot. Let's start a riot. Yeah, we see the Cash handles the place pretty well. He doesn't fuck around, and he knows how to deal with each patient in their unique ways. The only one who isn't cleared out of there within, like, five minutes is Humphrey Dumpler. Oh. Do you know who this one is? No. Take a swing at that name. Humpty Dumpty. There you go. In name and look, um, he he's Eggman without the moustache. Okay. He's an eggy-shaped fella. I mean, his name is Humpty Dumpty. Hmm. I would hope so. So I he was hiding under the table trying to put, um, you know, he's always trying to put things back together again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to reassemble a chicken out of, like, the scraps from dinner. He's putting all the, like, the little bones back together. Okay, buddy. He's doing his best, right? And I like that Dr. Arkham sees Humphrey as relative. He's definitely one of the fucking nuts ones. But he's not, like, villainy. Yeah. Um. So after this riot, he gives Humphrey a broken mirror. Because he will compulsively try to put it back together again. And the doc wants to make sure all the glass is accounted for. Well, yeah, you don't want, you know, a bunch of Arkham inmates getting around with, like... Sharp objects. Right. Mm-hmm. So the doc is 
let him see if any of those pieces are missing. Meanwhile, Warren and Two-Face are in the infirmary after this riot. Uh, the nurse's advice to him was be a sidekick. You know, that will get him some respect and might keep him out of the infirmary for a change. And Two-Face has his hands bandaged from smashing that mirror Hatter had earlier, so he can't flip his coin properly. So now Warren is in charge of being the coin flipper. I wouldn't want that job. Remember how his cellmate Death Rattle was talking to ghosts? Yeah. Well, he might not be as crazy as we thought. Why not? Because Warren says he, he has clout now, and he gets to sleep in the bed. And Death Rattle has a problem with it. He can take it up with Two-Face. Uh, Rattle says, hey man, speaking of ghosts, I've been talking to the guy that, who killed himself after discovering your embezzling stuff in that flashback from earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's that's coming. Um, and hum- oh, Humpty Dumpty hears this and the death threats that come with it. So, um, so when he returns to Dr. Arkham with the almost completed mirror. Well, that's good. Some of it's missing. That's a problem. Okay. Um, he requests a cell transfer. So Humpty gets Warren from Two-Face, and Death Rattle is alone again. Um, it's revealed that he had been, like, because he's, like, a hoarder and... No. Death Rattle's not. There's there's another vi- uh, character later on, like, a just a, a hoarder, mm. junkyard dog. And right. he, um, he'd been scavenging these shredded notes and, like having Humphrey unknowingly reassemble them. Yeah. So he was looking for blackmail stuff, because I'm assuming that's what weird lunatic hoarders do for a living, is blackmail. If you can. Actually, it harkens back to the Penguin in Batman Returns. Yeah. So yeah, he, he found out about um, the dead guy that way, and he was just, like, psychological warfaring <laughs> Warren, because he's a piece of shit, and he embezzles money. Yeah. So I do, I do like that that's where they, like, stop. But, so yeah, uh, oh, he he schemed. He didn't really know about the ghost. But he could tell when Aaron Cash was flipping him off with the phantom limb. Oh, yeah. Like, with the hook hand. He's like, don't flip me off. And Cash is like... Right. Well, I got, I got, <laughs> well, fuck. I got nothing. <laughs> he caught me fair and square, but mm, that's also terrifying that he did that. <laughs> so, um, moving on. Um, the issue ends uh, with us wondering where that big piece of mirror got to, or who it got to. So later in the night, Humphrey is rebuilding the Scarface dummy by lamplight, mm-hmm. and um, Warren and him are just you know chatting. They're they're buddies. He explains how the insanity plea was a dodge that backfired real fucking hard, and Apparently. asks then asks what Humphrey did to get into this place. He grew up in Gotham. He had a good life at first. But, you know, they all fall down. Things break. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see folk bulldoze his house by accident. (laughs) Loving the big condemned sign on the house next door that the wrecking ball guy just missed, apparently. I don't know. I hang out with tradies. They're not overly intelligent. You got the ice cream man that ran over his dog. You got his parents who die in a tragic Christmas tree accident. Yes, you do. I was... I was looking at some, like, I wonder what happened. I'm pretty sure... I'm, I'm going to assume electrical. Christmas lights aren't the most, like, well-maintained electrical device in someone's house. True. They only, look, the, the star is on the tree, so they didn't fall off a ladder and land on their necks. It's already up there. Mm. So I went with electrical kilt. 
Maybe they have terrible allergies. Alright, so you walk into a room. Murdered couple. Not murdered. Dead couple. Dead people. Beneath a Christmas tree. Beneath a Christmas tree. What happened? How do you go about solving it? I think it's electrical. Yeah, probably. It's my best example. Nothing else really... Well, maybe there's like a snake or something. <laughs> maybe there's a bunch of spiders in there. However, they That's a very live... quick spider death, though. They live in America, which means... So spiders, spiders had guns. Spiders and snakes. Oh, okay. So probably electrical. If you've got another theory, let us know at schoolforwardnerds at gmail.com. All right, so it's all very storybooky in its design. Like, I like the detail that a lot of the crowd shots don't make any sense. Like, there's a woman who's just a chicken. <laughs> um, so it might be a case of unreliable narrator, but, you know, I like when no, Charles... It's the one that um, Humpty Dumpty put back together. Mm-hmm. Well, he hasn't started doing that shit yet. Um, I like when Child Services puts him with the old lady who lived in a shoe. But it's just his shitty grandmother living in a shoe repair store with, like, a big boot, like, on the roof. Mm. Um, he stays positive through all of this. If it's, you know, if it's always getting worse, then it can't be all bad, is his reasoning. Not wrong. So, until one day, though, the train zooms past his stop. It's a small thing, but it's a straw to break all the same. Um, so he goes to the library, reads all he can about trains, before taking... You know, f- before sneaking into the train depot at night to try and fix the train. Mm. He takes apart the brakes, down to it. It's, they're single pieces, trying to see why what, what the problem was. And, you know, and then he does his best to reassemble. As a man that only just learned about trains. Mm. So the next morning, the train crashes gruesomely. Luckily, Batgirl had saved the people stuck on it. Humphrey saw his luck changing, though, because the train hadn't stopped for him again that day. So it's a good thing he wasn't on it when it crashed. Lucky him. Um, I'm just. I'm also under the assumption that like that's just an express train. Like that don't stop at the station because it's going past him every time. Yeah. So he continues this blur between making the world a better place and just you know a reign of terror. He um quote unquote fixes the elevator. Quote unquote fixes the slow traffic light. He quote unquote fixes the ATM that ate his card. Meanwhile, he's saving money. So he can move out of this rotten place on a boat. It's a pea green boat specifically because nursery grams. But he's going to ship on out of this fucking dump. Mm. Turns out the clock tower in Gotham is off by an hour. Oh no. So he missed the boat. Oh buddy. Mm. With tears in his eyes, he sneaks into the, the clock tower to fix it. Um, sure as shit, the hour hand just fucking launches off. Hits a giant domino. This hits a big... Like, it hits the cat on the Shrek building from Batman Returns. Um, and, like, a series of other giant items on the Gotham rooftops just start coming down. You know, big violins, big cows. I'm pretty sure there was a bucket of chicken, etc., etc. It's Gotham City. Places full of giant typewriters and shit. Dominoes. Uh, this also feels like it takes place in an older version of Gotham. You know, because Batgirl's there. Yeah. And she's riding around in a very, like, 60s-style Batcycle. Like the one from her show. Um... And she's a librarian in this, too. That's also another similarity. She works out all these fucking accidents line up perfectly with this big egg-shaped dude who comes into the library and borrows books about a topic the day before the, like, the related incident and never returns the damn things. Mm. Um, so she manages to get to this guy. Um, I like that they bring in the Sprang Act after this. No big cool shit on the Gotham skyline anymore. That's probably for the best. Yeah, Dick Sprang also is a reference, being that classic Batman artist who loved giant stuff. 
Every time you see the giant typewriter, that's him. Giant coin? T-Rex? I looked up his name and, like, Batman to see what sort of, like, main issues he did. And there's a lot of pictures of the cave. So I would not be shocked if the penny was his. And T-Rex. Mm, I don't know about that one. T-Rex is big. Yeah, but they're big normally. Oh, yeah. So, um... Batgirl finds this guy on the rooftop, and, like, when she pulls up, he steps back and falls. Because Batgirl's a good fucking egg, she jumps over after this hulking man and tries to catch him. Both her shoulders pop from sockets. He's very large. Yeah, but I also respect that, you know, in Batman Hush, bitch-ass Bruce Wayne only popped one shoulder out of his socket and went unconscious. I'm just saying, Bab's technically twice as good. She's probably used to PMS. I don't think you get... You know, it's not my place. If women get cramps in their shoulders, that's that's fine. You can get cramps in your shoulders, but she's probably got a higher pain tolerance than him because when was the last time that he went out without wearing a cup? I would really hope there is some sort of crotch protection in the bat suit. Yes, a cup. Thus... <laughs> She has a higher pain tolerance, and I'm sticking to it. Well, both their shoulders pop out, and Humphrey sees something broken, pops them back into place for her. Isn't that nice? Luckily, he had borrowed that Grey's Anatomy book. Hang on a second. Kai, do you know what Grey's Anatomy is? He he borrowed that girl. No, no, he fixed her. But why did he have that book? What what was he doing with that one? Because everything else has been, you know, trains... And clocks and shit. He's got to fix the people. Mm. The people are broken. So Batgirl goes home with him to find the other thing he pulled apart and tried to fix. Grandma. I tried to fix it. Yeah. After this tale, Warren asks why Humphrey chose to help him out of his old cell. Humphrey says, Fish, you are the worst person I've ever met. And he thinks he can fix him. Isn't that nice? You're fucked. <laughs> um, so this doodlebug guy. The graffiti villain. Okay. Um, he'd... He was one of the people that painted Arkham during, like, its inception. But he is, um... He's... Yeah. He, he will follow his muses off a cliff. Mm. Uh, and that is why he's in a cell with Junkyard Dog, who we mentioned earlier. Yeah, he's a lunatic, but he's also, like... The Banksy of sorts. You know? So a guard cuts a deal with him for a self-portrait of the famous artist, and in return he gets... Ex- Is it that dude? What, Aaron Cash? That might be Junkyard. That, that one looks a little bit like Witchy Poo. Oh. Doodlebug's the dude behind him, like, painting the wall. Mm. He's, got, he's got dreads. He do. Um, Alright, so he cuts a deal... Like, he'll give this guard a self-portrait, which will be worth a shitload of money. Like I said, Banksy-ass guy. In exchange for a little bit of an escort to the woman's ward for the night. For an escort. <laughs> Let's be realistic here. So he is let into Poison Ivy and Magpie's cell. Remember Magpie? Yeah. Shiny, shiny. So, Doodlebug um, was the one with the fucking mirror piece. You thought someone was going to get stabbed. Nah, someone's exchanging shiny things to a weird, um, weird woman bird for the, sex. Third with a vagina. That's right. No cloacas in this woman. 
Um, so, um, yeah, let's all take a moment to remember this is the Looney Tunes, you know, the cartoon comic guy. All right, moving on. So, the guard continues his patrol and stops by Jane Doe's cell to check on her. I hope that goes well for him. Um, when he returns to Doodlebug's cell, he doesn't shut it properly. I'm also pretty confident it ain't him anymore, either. Probably not. The issue ends in the morgue, and we see Jason Blood has been called onto a case. Do you know him? No. Um, he's a bit of an occult side of DC character. Um, often seen with, like, red slicked back hair, but, like, a stripe of grey hair. Yeah, that guy. The dude who looks mysterious. Mm. Alright, so he's, um, looking into this case. There were a bunch of bodies, uh, covered in, like, sigils in the morgue that he's been looking at. Um, Jason Blood. Um, is only Jason Blood some of the time, Kyle? Mm. He's also Etrigan. Yeah, I've seen that. Who's that, Kyle? Um, he's a demon. Mm-hmm. He, he looks... Hang on. I'll tell you what he looks like. He looks like a Jack Kirby character. The fact that he is one made me laugh, because I just kind of assumed, because he's a very square-shaped little man. Hang on, that's cool. He's near the back. I know, I signed him. <laughs> um, so you know who that is then, right? The little demon who speaks in rhymes? Yeah, and right. sometimes he is backwards. That's bizarre. He's a he's a little like wishy-washy so backwards. So in some flashbacks we see him fighting the seven cursed beings that could not die, with similar sigil markings to these corpses. So he stopped them by burying them beneath a location we've seen before in this comic. If you can't beat them, put a bunch of dirt on them so they can't get out. I mean it's a very good they are buried under the Greater Gotham Township's House of Madness and Ill Humours, mm. which is now Arkham. That's the place from the start, Kyle. So while the guards talk about that time, Sean Young dressed as Catwoman after missing the role of Vicky Vale in 1989's Batman. Weird that that's kind of canon now. Um, they watch looped camera footage while the prison break continues outside. Yeah. The guard who left Doodlebug's cell open and opened a shitload more on the way through gets to Warren White and Humphrey Dumpler's cell. Um, he's like, Warren, bro, there's a riot and we gotta get you to safety, man, because everyone wants to fucking kill you. You, you your shit. You good? Yep. Okay. Sorry, there was a shiny. I got distracted. Mm. So, um, Warren gets up from bed and the guard immediately slams his head into the wall. Oh, <laughs> knocks no. him out. He goes down and Humphrey is, um, you know, he's a heavy sleeper, apparently. I mean, most people with a concussion are... The egg guy doesn't have a concussion. He's asleep this whole time during the riot and the assault in his cell. Oh, yeah. So the next scene is a good one. Dr. Arkham is home in bed. There's always a phone call for him during the night. You know, Scarecrow trying to hang himself. Joker has the cleaning supplies. We're all going to die. Edgar Head has a chicken and he's not afraid to use it. You know what I'm saying? It's the Vincent Price character from the 60s. I, I like chicken. What would he do with a chicken? Chicken nuggets. Egghead. He would fire the chicken like a gun. Yeah. Why do all the Batman characters use silly things? Because they're from. Has the umbrella. I think mostly because like they were the most of them came from that wacky era of comics. But Egghead was a was made up for that TV show. He was weird on purpose. Yeah. So there's usually an emergency phone call. But not tonight. 
That's because the looped footage says everything's okay. Mm. Jeremiah says it's quiet. Too quiet. Um, he gets out of bed, gets a shotgun, and heads into work. I mean, that's probably how I would go to work if I worked at Arkham. So, while Aaron Cash subdues those he can, and Arnold Wesker the Ventriloquist plots revenge on Lunkhead, who I only really know from Beware the Batman, um, for break... He's the one who broke Scarface. So Ventriloquist wants a bit of revenge. Um, Joker and Two-Face have escaped. Look at them. They, they saw this opportunity and weren't dicking around with it. They left. Well, that's, you know, on them. Mm-hmm. Um, as, Cash is, as Cash catches up to that false guard, the guard opens up another cell to slow him down. Waylon Jones. I know that name. You should know the connection Aaron Cash has with Killer Croc. And why he'd be reluctant to cross paths with this guy again. What is Because he eated his hand. Yeah. Now, we know that we're in a flashback during this scene because Cash has both his hands in it. He's talking with Carver. I'm pretty sure the original, if you overthink some of the dialogue. While they walk along together, Killer Croc is a one-man riot. Having, having his trank wear off during the transfer. Oh, no. So Cash joins the guards trying to hold him down and... When he turns back to Carver to tell her to, like, get out of here, man, his hand gets in biting range of Croc and is promptly removed. <laughs> so, um, now it shows a depressed Cash sitting in his apartment channel surfing as his answering machine takes his calls, and one of them's Jeremiah Arkham, and he's asking Cash to return to work. Well, he has been away. There's been a few escapees. Mr. Freeze, which is an important detail for later, very foreshadowing if you think about it. Mr. Uh, Clayface. And Jane Doe. See, I don't think she's gone, if that's the case. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but she's not in herself. That's right. I'm pretty sure she's... she's letting everybody out. We're in a flashback. Oh. I'm, I'm saying I'm pretty sure this is her moving into Carver. Oh, now I'm picking up what you put down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jeremiah says, look, Cash, you can sit there and be a sad cripple. Or you can go back to the job where you can cripple others and it's socially acceptable. Yeah. Um, so we skip ahead a little bit. Still flashback, we're not present day yet, um, to when Warren got slashed by Croc. Do you remember that, when he said, you need gills, fish? Mm. Um, and we see, at that point, Cash was avoiding Croc and not joining into that part of the assault. That is scary. Mm-hmm. No, he's like, no, I'm busy over here. He's beating up the Riddler. Oh. Um, who is uh, doing something menacing, and we see that he was using soap to write a riddle. Again, this is before the Carver reveal, because it's a flashback, and he is midway through writing in his soap, who gets out by getting ahead. Oh, this, this Jane Doe. That's right. See, Riddler knew the whole fucking time. He's very smart. Isn't he one of the first people that worked out that um, Batman was Batman? Mm, yeah, he's definitely in the small collection. That Strange, was hush canon. Strange usually works it out. Yeah. Ridley usually works it out. Ridley sometimes does. It's, it's, it's always Raish, Bane, and Tim Drake, and Hugo Strange. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Riddler works it out, does hush, and then at the end, Batman's like, yeah, but if you tell anyone, you're not the smartest guy in the room anymore. You know, if you keep that... If it's your secret, you're special. And he's like, shit, you're right. <laughs> because I'm the Riddler and I have compulsions about being smarter than everyone. And then he got bonked on the head in canon, and then kind of stopped being a villain, and he ran a PI company for a while. You gotta know your friends and your villains. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, snap back to reality. And Oops, there goes gravity. Oops, there goes Cash, because he's frozen in terror, because fucking Croc's right there. But before I can eat the rest of him, Dr. Arkham drops him with a big tranquilizer. Nice. And he says, no problem can't be solved with the right medication. Born. Yeah. Meanwhile, Magpie uses her shiny things, you know, a coffee lid, a mirror piece, a fucking guard badge. Bro, if you're exchanging, like, your identification number for sex with one of the inmates, you definitely need to have been fired. Bro, come on now. Doesn't necessarily mean that it was for sex. The implication, Kyle. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but doesn't necessarily. Maybe she mm, had smokes. This is one of those guilty until impro- proven innocence. We know that so- they're all guilty. They're in Arkham. The guard who exchanged things for sex He's is guilty also guilty, too. yeah. Um, so she's been using them to reflect light under the bed and into the tunnel they've been digging. Nice. Okay. So they continue to dig somewhere beneath them. <gasps> I've got it. He traded his badge for a spoon. What for? Explain to me your workings here. Because he needed a spoon because there's never any cutlery in the staff cutlery drawer. Oh, is this a a personal complaint you're having? Yeah, but mostly with forks. And she had a spoon because she was digging the tunnel. Well, if you need a fork, you go talk to Scarecrow because he put it in that guy earlier. Um, so while they're digging, we see, like, the little scratching on a monopoeia, and, um, my notes are physically wet from a cat. He's Fucking tired. No, he's a drooling boy. No, he's a baby. So there's ghoulish forms beneath Arkham hearing this noise. Mm. Okay, isn't that, isn't that cool? Zombie awakens. Issue five begins by continuing the first scene in the book. Remember the lobotomy stuff? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he didn't, he didn't do a very good job. All the patients died. So, the associate guy is sent to get one of the six other patients. While the other guy is away, the mad doctor begins to cast some spell on the dead body. I like that the fire, like... The onomatopoeia for the thump of the fire is written in the fire. Like, the fire comes up and says thump. Which is a cool detail. I like that one. Um, so, the spell allows something long dead to move into these empty bodies. Yay! So, while we are playing in Backstory Town, Ivy and Magpie finish their tunnel, and they pop out into a little antechamber. Mm-hmm. So, it's only lit by a luminous algae that Ivy sprouted there, so it's not very bright, not very clear, and, you know, she doesn't see the shriveled old corpse pile down there right away. But by the time she does, she's already scuffed the little salt circle around it. Oh, no. So she gets grabbed by the bodies pretty quickly. I like that it's, like, just agreed that salt works. I'm here for it. Yeah. So, back up on the ground floor of the asylum. Humpty Dumpty is Skyrim style, finally awake. Um, the sleeping gas the guards have used to stop this riot is, you know, clearing. And while the guards switch to handprint... You know, because the swipe cards are obviously compromised. It's Jane Doe's just being opening doors with it. I mean, um, she got one. Yeah, so Humpty's like, oh shit, he wakes up, there's been like a riot and his friend's gone. He's like, I gotta go find fish. So he's off because he's a good boy. Um, the guards in the surveillance room tell the ones contained. 
so the ones that didn't notice the other riot because the feeds were on the loop they're like all right we've got this one sorted it's like all right good um the women's the women's uh wing seems fine they're not very good are they well half the cameras are broken you can probably assume the other half So, good. so we know that doesn't mean shit. And, like, the comic cuts to, like, the women being thrown around by the demonic death lobotomites that have crawled through the tunnel. Um, so, as they wander around hassling the living, they roam past the dead body of, of the guard that went in a chain in their cell. Isn't that crazy? Insane. Yeah, so let's see what she's up to, huh? Remember how Mr. Freeze is out in the city during this? Like, they said he's one of the escapees? Yeah. Well, his special cell should have been empty. And they flaunt it, too. Like, when someone goes by, you see, like, little eyes looking out. Hmm. And every time I read this book, because there's so much foreshadowing and so many intricacies in it, that one slips by me, like, every time. Because you see it, and you're like, you, you don't even think about it. It's a cell. You'd assume there's people in it. Yeah. But he's already gone. Yeah. Um, Jane Doe is in there with Lauren White. She brought him there because it's a, essentially an empty meat locker, and she's been storing her replica Warren White skin in there. Ew. Um, yeah, she's annoyed that the real Warren has suffered a bunch of new injuries since issue one, so she has to open up his scars and stitches to replicate them correctly on her bodysuit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, meanwhile, as that bug guy is dragged back into his cell, uh... In his sleep, because he's been knocked unconscious, he remembers killing a woman, carving her body like his paintings, you know, like the weird sigil stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uses the blood he harvested from this woman to paint graffiti in Gotham before his arrest. So, meanwhile, while that's going on, we got um, Jason Blood, who's with Harvey Bullock in his occult office. A pretty... doesn't take much. But Blood gets tired of Bullock not kind of following the magic side of things, because it's Gotham, we don't normally fuck with that stuff. Um, and he just uses, like, his own magic to turn B- Bullock into, like, a thrall. Nice. You know what a thrall is? No. It's like a Yes Master type. It's a brainwashing minion sort of setup. What? So, next, uh, you know you know who's a thrall? Every fucker in, um, the... Yes, man. The movie? I don't know. With, I believe, Jim Carrey. I don't fucking know. I know the mummy with Basil Karloff and how he turned pretty much everyone around him into a thrall. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like brainwashed slave stuff. Hmm. That's sort of shit. Turns him into one of those. Because Bullock's like, I don't know about none of this. This seems crazy. Your heart, you took a bunch of tongues and you've got him in jars. And he's like, you know what? I'm not telling you this plot. <laughs> so you can just not talk now. All right, we get to the next twist. Death Rattle hears the dead and knows the ghouls are invading the asylum. Junkyard Dog hears his rants and believes it. Um, so they're both like, it's time to fucking go. He wakes up Doodlebug and pays off another Riddle comment from earlier. So at one point Riddler says the thing Croc forgot to flush. What's something we assume Croc had eaten at this point? The hand. That's right. And what kind of uh, lock system are we using now? Hand print. Yeah. So Junkyard Dog is a notorious hoarder, and something he's been hoarding for if or when they switch back to guard print, hand print IDs. Um, he, he's got Aaron Cash's hand in a pickle jar. Gross. Yeah. 
Also, how did he get a pickle jar? He said he'd been sneaking little bits of brine periodically, like, out of the bin bags and stuff. Where'd he get the jar? I found a plot hole. As long as he doesn't tense up his body too hard, he might have snuck it in that way. Shoutouts to one man, one jar. But it has to be full. Otherwise it breaks. I watched that video too. Yeah, so, um, back in the surveillance room, like, every guard's in there and Dr. Arkham's debriefing and we're talking, and the sword now this riot stuff, they get a notification pop up on the computer. Um, Aaron Cash has just opened a cell. Cash, who is in there with them, sees Doodlebug and Junkyard Dog scurrying off on the camera, you know, and he's pissed. Like, hey, he stole my hand. That's rude. Yeah. So they run out of one camera's sight, but not into the next one. Mm. Isn't that crazy? This is when they realize the feeds are looping, and they reset it and look in horror. It's not shown, but the onomatopoeia of just screams fills that office as they switch to the women's wing. Nobody there. No, everyone's there, but also oh, like a bunch of zombies are in there. Yeah. So another character ha- with access to an asylum worker's handprints is Warren White. Ah, uh, or at least the Jane Doe, who is now Warren White. Fight too. No, she still has the carver, like, flesh. Mm. So she's, she's using the fingerprints on that. She's heading out of the icebox cell with Carver's hand while the real Warren White shivers and bleeds on the ground. Oh, no. In the cold. She cranks the cold way up. I think it was, like, negative 38 in whatever American is. I don't know. It's a lot. <laughs> That's just a final fuck you to him. Suck my dick. <laughs> you know, I'm out. So she doesn't get very far, though, because Humphrey finds what he assumes is Warren. He's like, oh, thank God, I've been looking everywhere for you. He's relieved to have his buddy back and starts leading fake Warren back to their cell. Nice. Back to Doodlebug and Junkyard. Uh, Bug stops to paint a mural. He's like, I gotta, I gotta do this. I, you know, Junkyard tries to pull him away and gets dead for it. Like, Doodlebug literally does, like, the fucking, like, the thing from Indiana Jones and, like, punches into his ribcage and tears his heart out. Rude. Um, so, yeah, he starts painting with the blood, and this blood ignites... Uh, it's the sigils that we saw in that demonic shit at the at the morgue. Mm. It's a very similar design, and now it's doing dark magic stuff. So things are getting real out of hand here. Just a little. As things begin to really boil over, Jason, Blood, and Bullock arrive. Bullock is left in the car, and so is Blood to an extent. Uh, because he does his you know famous phrase. He goes, gone, gone, the form of man, and rise the demon Etrigan. So he does his little Jekyll and Hyde thing. Now Etrigan's on the fucking scene. Yay! So as we round the corner into home stretch into the final issue, um, we hit the part of the Arkham Asylum video game that made me think to do this in the first place. So Arkham Asylum is a house of madness. Mm. And if you aren't going in there insane, you're likely to come out that way. Oh, yes. Like, Like Harleen Quinzel. That's right. And in in whatever canon... That chooses to have um, Hugo Strange and uh, Jonathan Crane work there as well. Yeah. I like when they're coming from outside sources. Hmm. Can't all come from one suburb. There'll be like three or four other villains out there. So, um, Warren is still stuck inside this freezer. Did you know, Kyle, that hypothermia can cause neurological damage? I did, actually. Mm-hmm. And the, like, the thick, slow, cold blood flow can have trouble reaching not just extremities, but also, like, certain parts of your brain. 
That would make sense. Because I googled it to fact check this book, and I was pleasantly surprised that it holds. No, it's, that's why people that go up the big mountain in Napoli, Nepal, wherever it is, um, they they go like snow crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I knew hypothermia made you like wacky. You have to take off all your clothes because you get um the thing where you think you're too hot. But I didn't know it did like permanent brain damage. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, there you go. Um. Did you... Look, you obviously know frostbite's not great for you either. Um, it d- well, it's good for you if you don't want all your fingers and toes. So Warren's been banging on the icy door for fuck knows how long. Four of his fingers have frozen and shattered off at this point. They're gone. Mm. Um, you know, like, he falls to his knees and puts his face in his hands, and the remaining fingers that touch his hair, it just comes off. Mm. Hair's gone. It's all, it's all falling away. And in a moment of frustration, he's like, fuck's sake. And he slams his head on the ground. Now, more frozen body parts shatter. Mm. An ear, the nose, the upper lip, and the philtrum. Do you know what that is? There's nothing in your... Yeah. It's where Hitler keeps his facial hair. Um, and Warren is sitting there, too frosty to bleed, just begins to giggle. Mm. You go inside. He's one of us now, baby. <laughs> so, that's a great isolated moment. I really enjoy that page. Now for a bunch of other moments in quick it's, succession. Here we go. It's kind of like you shouldn't plead insanity if you're not insane. Well, he didn't think he'd go to fucking Arkham Asylum. Yes, but it's always a possibility, so you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't lie. Okay. So, that mad doctor in those old days... Remember from the lobotomy stuff? Mm. That was Jason Blood. Who yeah. doesn't age because of the trapped in the demon body swapping situation. There's a whole thing going on there. Uh-huh. Now, he used to be more of a demon back then. A bit more of a scumbag. Um, a hell scumbag, I guess. Um, so, when the Lords of Hell didn't want those seven evil spirit things anymore, he was tasked by putting their souls into mortal vessels. The lobotomites were flubbed on purpose and their tongues were removed to keep them from casting spells. Um, the evil they are more or less emitting has been Doodlebug's muse for a while. And he's down there in the cavern now, um, as uh, the same as Etrigan, and those ghouls have returned. They're called Scarvers. Um, everyone's fighting in there. Doodlebug paints another magic rune, and it casts out some green slime, you know, some ectoplasms. Nice. And it sticks Etrigan down into place. And the one thing I couldn't work out is why he had their tongues on him. Maybe if you've... Maybe, I don't know. Maybe if you put all the pieces of the body back there, you can do something. I don't remember. Maybe. Um, but now that he's caught, they get their tongues back and they can talk now. Doodlebug sends them out to get more quote-unquote, you know, paint, blood, still in people, and bring it down because we're going to do a big old mi- ritual mural thing. Yeah, it's okay. So a few quick plot things to cover as the story comes to its head. Uh, we've got Jane Doe as Warren, still with Humpty. Um... And she want, he wants them to just sit quietly in their cell during all this so they get privileges afterwards for not, you know, being part of all the riots. Nice. Jane pulls her head free of his and uh, the Warren skin sort of tears away like a glove. Um, while that's going on, Scarver sense the real Warren, you know, because they're cruising through the halls and they're like, oh, there's a soul in that one in that cold room. Yeah. Um, the cell door breaks away. By ghost or demonic intervention, it's unclear because Warren sees the ghost of that suicide victim that discovered his embezzling. Ooh. The ghost wants to take him to hell for what he did. I mean, 
makes sense. But the frosty mad swagger version of Warren White claims he already knows hell. And this guy's a pussy for choosing death after losing his job and reputation. And he rips the ghost's fucking head off its ghost body. Oh no. <laughs> That's right, baby. And then we got, you know, we got Joker's idea. Because when he leaves, he's like, Too Fresh, what are you going to do? And he's like, you know, he's like, I don't know. And he's like, I'm going to go kill everyone who have palindrome names. And Two Face is like, alright. You have fun with that. I'll catch up with you later. So, as Dr. Arkham calls Colonel Alan Evanella at the Gotham Naval uh, National Guard base for assistance during all this shit, the Colonel is downed by a um, Joker toxin dart. Mm. That's a palindrome. They've been sitting on that reference for like five issues just to be, four issues just to be smart about it. It's cool detail. Nice. Everything that happens in this book comes back around or foreshadows something in a big bad way. That's cool though. There is, there, there is barely a sentence to waste or just being what it is. Yeah. It all builds and it's, it's, it's a very impressive book. It's really great. So much better than Serious House on Serious Earth if you want an Arkham Asylum book. I mean, if you're able to, like, do all those little things, then you should. Um, but Batman saves this guy in the nick of time with a, with an anti-venom and uh, hits Joker with a Batmobile like he's a pedestrian in GTA. Yeah. Now back to the big blood sacrifice stuff beneath Arkham. Doodlebug, controlled by his muse and the Scarver, are tossing prisoners into this bonfire. <laughs> sacrifice, motherfuckers. Death Rattle, who has also been hearing those demons... Most of this series volunteers to go in first and dive in, dive straight into the fire. So, I mean, he was in a death cold. His name's Death Rattle. He he knows the score. Yeah, I mean, he's like fuck yeah, I'm all about this life. And he burns. He's gone. So the next to volunteer, Kaya, is Lunkhead. Sorta. He look. See, he claims he didn't say anything. It's almost like a vengeful ventriloquist through his voice. To make it seem like the guy who broke the dummy he loved so much volunteered to be burnt to death. You know what I'm saying? Oh my. I just, I love that. I love that panel because, like, Lunkhead's like, oh, pick me. I want to go next. And then, like, the next panel's like, I didn't fucking say that. Put me down. Don't do anything. And, like, as he screams, the panel is just a close up of Arnold Wesker's grinning fucking face. He's like, you can suck my dick. Cut back to upstairs. As the spooky shit goes on in the cavern, ghosts are starting to, like, really come out of the woodwork. Mm. Okay, shit's on. Jane Doe Warren, you know, the, the Warren version, mm-hmm. uh, runs into Popsicle Warren, who has, like, a much brighter outlook now that he is clearly fucking losing his mind. Um, you know, he's like, he's like, Jane, you're the fish, and I'm the shark, and he makes, like, a chomp-chomp noise, <laughs> which is delightful. Um, and Jane shoves him aside. She's like, I don't have time for this. I'm keeps going. There's a bunch of ghosts following her. Nice. Warren's like, ah, people she killed probably. That makes sense. She went that way. Save some for me though. I'm I'm not doing great. I might be catching up soon with you guys. You know what I'm saying? Oh no. Um, so he continues along and sees Humphrey getting beat by the ghost of his grandmother. But Warren was like, they, they got to talk. Like he doesn't need this interruption, this delay. So he undoes the thread that that Humphrey used to put his grandma back together and her ghost just, like, kind of falls to pieces. Oh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he ex- Humphrey's like, oh, my God, what the fuck happened to you? Like, you're broken. You need to be fixed. We need to do something. Warren's like, bro, 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 I'm not a broken egg. I'm a, I'm a stunning omelette. 
You know what I'm saying? Like I am fucked beyond repair. No, it's not even that. He's like, I am fucking, I get it now. You know, it's like the whole don't, you know, so broken eggs need to happen for an omelette. Mm. He's like, no, nah, bro, 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 it's cool. I'm the omelette now. <laughs> so, yeah, they've got to get down to where the action's happening in the cavern. He's got to get down there. Cash is crawling through the vent to get to the either the emergency bat signal on the roof or to get power back to their control room. Like, whatever he can do, he's in the vents trying to sort something out. Um, he sees this exchange and goes to continue, but Anne's voice, Dr. Carver's ghost voice, tells him to follow them. And he takes the chance and does. Down in the cave, Humphrey and the guy, who wants to be called Shark now, are hiding in the corner, figuring this shit out, seeing all the pieces and how they fit together. You know. Mm-hmm. So the guard and Dr. Arkham are brought down there too. Oh, the guards, plural. Like all the ones from the surveillance room. Um, using Jeremiah's blood, Doodlebug starts one last sigil on the ground around him. Mm-hmm. While he's doing that, Etrigan, still trapped there, points out that the muse also had Doodlebug put a bunch of like very reminiscent tattoos on himself. Mm. Um, so he burns up like the other sacrifices. And um, that's enough to bring the muse into the cavern. A Hell Arbiter named uh, Cthulhu. <laughs> it's not Cthulhu. It's like he's an, he's an assistant. Cthulhu. It's the noise um horny like wolves make at curvy <laughs> women in old timey cartoons. Yeah. Turns out, um, turns out he wasn't the muse controlling him. It was the Scarver. So they were getting this rube to do blood sacrifices across Gotham to get Cthulhu to show up. Mm-hmm. They want to get back into Hell. They've been trapped in compacted dirt for, like... A while. Yeah, depending... This book came out in the 2000s. I'm going to say lobotomies were in the 30s. That's when they're most prevalent or in their infancy. So I'd say, like, 70 years just trapped in dirt, being like, this fucking is so boring. This sucks ass. (laughs) They want to get back into health. They just want to go... But, you know, they can't speak to this uh, higher-up-level demon. Because, you know, he talks like Etrigan. No, no, no. They've got their tongues back. They just can't, you know, they can't do the thing. They need to rhyme. Oh, no. Yeah. The Scarver's like, fuck, we got no bars. We can't wrap our message. Etrigan volunteers to help for a small fee. But that's when Shark makes his presence known instead. You know, he just kind of, like, marches up nonchalantly. Excuse me, hey there, may I, maybe I can be of service. The Scarver are like, who the hell's this dude? Chuck him in the fire pit. But, you know, he keeps his business mode on, you know. You know, he's like, Warren White, White World Megacorp. Overheard your problems, thought I could help. You know, how's it going? He explains that he's the worst man anyone's ever met. So he's definitely going to hell. Duh. Um, you know, hell is clearly real in this scenario. We're seeing, like, blood sacrifice. We're seeing demons from hell. He's like, look, I'm heading there. All I'm asking is that when I get there, you lot go easy on me. Cut me some slack. And they're like, all right. If you can translate, good. Well, that's the deal. A deal is struck. And Shark calls Humphrey over. So he has that storybook way of talking. Mm-hmm. So he can do that shit, man. He's very rhymy. So while they talk shop with Cthulhu, Cash sees all of this going on. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> but he gets a pep talk from Anne's ghost about duty. <laughs> that's right. Duty. He charges out of his hiding place. And a couple of Scarva go to toss one of his fellow guards into the bonfire. But they sense that he is clearly a champion. You know, you know how like um, 
I don't know. It's the fucking King Arthur swords. Like they 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 see him and they're like, oh, he's one of those chosen one types, man. We we got to deal with that. Um, and they cast a spell on some of the patients to fight him, to give him a bit more of their namesake. You know, what I'm saying Magpie gets like big talons and like a magpie face, and Poison Ivy looks like the dude from Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. And shit like that. Audrey. Yeah. So Cash saves Jeremiah, and you know he rips a chunk out of a very demonized ho- uh, croc. Yeah, you know, he's brave now because no, he's brave now because the ghost of Carver's like, man, fucking just, just tell him to suck your dick, fuck him. She says something a bit more meaningful, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the same sentiment. Fuck Basic that. Morals. Fuck that guy, man. Fuck him. He's he's a lizard man. That's right. Um, <laughs> so um, while he's like battling all these guys and trying to save people and fucking with those, the you know, the ghoulish looking dudes, they look like feral ghouls from Fallout. A deal's been made. Mm-hmm. Alright, it's done. And the Scarver turn around like, what? Well, we missed like all the details. But, you know, the time's running out. The sacrifice can only Lost keep so the long. Arbiter of Hell here for so long. Yeah. And they're like, uh, fuck. Okay, deal. We just want to get back into Hell. We'll sort it out later. Um, they, you know, they go back and they can torture again. Yay! <laughs> but the deal Shark made was they have to torture each other. Yay! You know what I'm saying? They're fucking... It's a conga line circle of just people whipping one another. <laughs> That's their fate now. Um, and Etrigan is, is, t- comes up to him and he's like, you sentenced those dudes to like torture one, like their brethren for all time. You know why they got kicked out of hell? Because they like cared. They shed a tear for the people they were torturing. So they were kicked out for being soft. It was like, those ones had morals, and you just banished them to punishment. <laughs> but Warren's like, fuck it, man. That's what it's all about, baby. Now the guards, the doctors, and the fucking inmates all owe their life to me. Mm. Right? So, yeah, he's the fucking hero of the story. Even so they, bad guy in They all, he, you know, they owe him now. Upstairs, the ghosts all fade away. Leaving Jane, who was, like, cowering and getting, like, kicked on the ground by these fucking ghosts. Well, she killed most of them. That's right. Um, you know, they, they, leave, they leave her alone, and she's, like, beside the emergency exit. She's like, fucking finally, man. I gotta get the hell out of this place. It's getting really weird in here. You know, she uses the handprint of the door. The retinal scan, because she has an eye in a jar. I'm, I'm assuming someone's. <laughs> gotta come from somewhere. And the voice recognition. Mm-hmm. Like, she, you know, she's obviously been taping voices. The door opens up. And Batman just punches her on her fucking face. Yeah. He's on his way in. Just so I would love the Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman is there, and it's already over, but him and the doctors conclude that it's likely that probably Scarecrow had fucked with that knockout gas some time ago and just been waiting for it to be used. Yeah. Because the demon and ghost shit doesn't actually start until after the knockout gas. Mm. So the timeline fits, and they're like, alright, well that's a reasonable explanation. Crane, solitary, three months. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah, um, b- believe what you want as a reader. You know, if you like a straight realistic Gotham without demons and sorcery and stuff, this is your out. You can say, you can believe that theory. Mm. Okay. But if you find Etrigan goofy, but accept him as canon all the same, and, you know... I like that Etrigan. Yeah, you can assume all this did happen, and all the reasonable people are, um, you know, coping. He's a little swamp boy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, if that's the re- way you think, if you think mystical shit actually did happen, 
then it's, it is funny that it all just gets blamed on Crane and everyone just goes on with their lives. I mean, it sounds like something he would do. Yeah. So there you have it. Cash is buying drinks for his co-workers, nervous to return, paying with money from his crocskin wallet. Oh. He kept to that chunk and... Rude. I think, I think that's a fucking cool move. Um, meanwhile, at the asylum, Riddler strikes a deal with the rich and powerful new villain businessman, Great White Shark. Mm. A lot cooler visually than, like, the carpenter or the broker. Mm. Yeah. So, Great White Shark will get 30% of Riddler's take if he can supply a question mark-shaped helicopter. You know, like, he strikes deals to help fund the, uh, the more, the more uh, excessive and eccentric villain shit. You mean, like, Thanos' yellow helicopter? That had to have come from somewhere. That's all I'm saying. Listen to our episode. About the helicopter. And they can freely talk about this shit in front of the guards who now work for Warren White too. Mm. You know, he's got it all together. Humpty Dumpty is like a bouncer for the queue of other villains who want to strike a deal with him and come up with some sort of thing. You know, some sort of favour. And they watch another, like, prison boss pull in. And, you know, Two-Face gets out, Mr. Freeze, and some random guy. And Shark looks at him and says, Who's the new fish? And Riddler giggles, because it's like a funny reference to the start of the book. And that's how we reach the end of Arkham Asylum Living Hell. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? It's pretty cool. Um, and it's surprising that they fit as much into six issues as they do. I've reread this a million times, including to like go over these notes and stuff, and there is stuff all the time. Dan Slott showed me the Riddler shit. Mm. But, like, he probably could have showed me something on every fucking page of this thing. That's cool. It's one of those books where you can... Every time you pick it up, there's, like, a new detail. There's always some extra thing where you're like, oh. It makes really it good. cool so that you can talk to, like, other people. Because other people will pick up things that you didn't. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good comparing notes kind of, kind yeah. of book. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, like I said earlier, man, it's all foreshadowing. No dialogue is a waste. It's all, like, it's, all of it's used so well. Hmm. So I definitely recommend this one. It's good. And it's good that it uses characters that aren't, like... Not that they're not popular, because you've heard of all of these guys pretty much, but... Oh, look, it's funny, because I was like... I like this one, because it adds a lot of, like, Z-grades. Not everyone in Arkham Asylum has to be, like, a crazy murderer. We can't all be Bane. We can't all be... Zaz. Yeah, we, we can't all be, like, super high up. And then, like, you see, like, how many of them get sacrificed at the end, and it's like, well, we introduced them for nothing, I guess. They're all dead. It's like Suicide Squad. That's right. Um, the second one, not the first one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I do like that it that it does all that stuff. You ready for homework? I do. All right. So, this book I like because it it's all small potato characters. Joker's in it, Riddler's in it, Two-Face, but barely. Um, so, um, I wanted to know what, uh, what like, really small-time characters you like. Because Warren White, the Great White Shark, is, like, one of those characters where... If that's one of the ones that you name drop when you're talking with someone, that's like a, it's like a code, because you're you've gone, you've got the level of super mainstream like iconic ones that are in movies. You know, everyone knows who Mister Freeze is. Everyone knows who the Joker is. And then you got the ones underneath, which are the ones that just aren't in film. Your Clayface, your Man Bats, and then you got like Condiment King. Yeah, and then, yeah. One underneath, you've got the. The characters where you say it's like, oh, you've actually read some shit. Firefly. Who is slowly yeah. climbing, but has never appeared in any... Well, like, he's appeared in cartoons. He hasn't appeared in live action, but he was going to, which is why people know his name. 
Brendan Fraser. Oh. Apparently he's in, in the list for 2022 Sexy Man. Good. He's a sweet man. Um, so, yeah, do you have any of these, like, you know, the three-tier-down characters that you like? I do, but I feel like they're popular because they were in the Lego Batmans. I think all of the characters in that were doing that on purpose. Like Condiment King. Well, it doesn't have to be Kite like... Man. It doesn't have to be like, um, like DC or comic book related, like any characters. I feel like you liking Wendy from Peter Pan is almost at that level. Everyone fucking knows who Tinkerbell is. Everyone knows who Peter Pan is. I would be. Do, I, do I, I wouldn't know, be confident people even my, remember Wendy's name sometimes. Do you want to know one of my deep cuts? Huh? That people will sit there and say that they know. Is it? But the, if you show them an image, they could not tell you. The cow from all the old Disney things. And I can do it two ways. Clarabella. Clarabella. Yeah, thank you. No, because she's got restaurants and stuff named after her now. Fuck. <laughs> so it doesn't count. She's out. Of, she's out. I can. Of I can do this two ways. Mm-hmm. One is only attraction. The characters from, um, what's it called? <sighs> Country Bear Jamboree. Alright, that did oh, mm. Yeah, you know what? Film, but no I was going to say, no one fucking it. saw that film. And everyone's been in that ride, but no one knows about it. Hmm. Isn't the rule that you do it so you can sit down in aircon and it doesn't actually matter? It's the Hall of Presidents for No. The no? No, it doesn't fall under the same category. Okay. It's an indoor show, yeah. which is usually why people will go in there, but yeah. Um, the other one that you have are the characters from Song of the South, because people think that they know it. That one's been very buried. But, that but one, that's a, you have to actually go out of your way to learn no, you anything about it, because it's a high, it's hidden. Splash Mountain. Yeah, but... They are, they you know, are hiding in plain sight. They don't even work, so most of the time they're taken down. But that's the thing, they are hiding in plain sight. Mm. Brer Rabbit, Brer Bear, Brer Fox, they're all hiding in plain sight. Even Zippity Doodah is one of the most, like, it gets on every Disney CD. No one knows where it comes from. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um, good answer. I feel like the obvious one for, look, I like... Leaf Frog. Yeah. Brick Frog. Brick Frog, my man. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I feel like if you name drop any character from fucking <laughs> from Venture Bros, you you get points. Even the monarch is kind of like a hey, you know, you know, and we and I know that you know, and we we know. No, no. We we know together. The monarch. Hmm. The monarch. Yeah. That's that's a deeper cut. Um. Because that means you watch the later seasons. You're talking Blue Morpho. Oh yes. Ah, <laughs> see, you lost clout. Now, um, I have yeah, never I like- had clout, just to clarify, I'm also blinking with one eye at a time. I'm not present. When when our producer gets tired, she blinks like that fucking three-eyed fish in Simpsons. Um, Warren White is, like, one of my go-to answers, and I feel like the more obvious one is Peyton Riley with being the ventriloquist, because that was only in, like, three or four issues, if that. Mm. But, but it was oh. cool, because she had, like, the whole fucking... Um, Jessica Rabbit fucking look. Yeah. But with a bullet hole in her face? Come on. <laughs> cool shit. And I like I like Scarface. Moxie. He also, hmm? Hey? Moxie. You mean Roxy Rocket? Mm. Um I, I miss Cornelius Sturk. No. He was like a weird little man who scurried around Gotham eating people. 
Don't do that. He was in that really grim, shitty, like, 90s era of Gotham City. Mm. When everything was really, like, sad all the time. But, uh, yeah, he was fun. He looked like a little... He looked like Freddy Freaker as a human, man. He was not doing well. I like a lot of those characters because they're they're so rich and there's something fun about like learning about them. Yeah, you're, you're blowing the dust off of like the world's information. Does that make sense? Mm. Like anyone can like anyone can know who the JSA is now that Black Adam's out. Mm. But to have like spent time figuring that shit out for yourself. Like, two years ago, like, before the movie was even announced. There's, there's, it's a different level. You know, I, I enjoy digging around. And that is, that, that's our moral this episode. It's like book one. Hmm. Have a bit of a dig around. Learn some shit. You never know what kind of weird characters you're going to find. Yeah, you gotta, you got to play the Wikipedia game. Hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Like, spend a little bit of time on, like... If, if Look, if you like the Marvel movies, if you like Spider-Man, spend a bit of time digging around in some of those weird Spider-Man films. There's a lot of good ones. But that's the thing. you got to pick like, You pick one topic on Wikipedia, and you got to try and get to another topic, and you got to like work out how many clicks it takes. Yeah, but you're not So you, you, get, you get from Walnut to Spider-Man. Hmm. Um, yeah. Good. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? I'm worried if we're not. I can look. We're both doing terrible. <laughs> we had to give like a weird eulogy at the start of this. Um, we're sorry. We we wish it was a better one. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I love this book. Our hearts in it. Our brain snapping. That's right. So on that note, thank you for listening. I've been your host, Toby DePaul. I've been joined by producer Kyle. Hi. Remember to rate, review, subscribe. There's so many different streaming services for app for podcasts. So I don't know what whatever your one of choice is, do whatever it is that supports it. Even listen to some back issues. Like we said, the superior Spider-Man coverage was pretty good. Thanos had a helicopter once. Yeah, we did Thanos. It was yellow. That was early. That was an early episode. Probably sounds terrible. We're song we were doing purple holes. <laughs> um yeah. And on that note, class dismissed. <laughs>